Welcome to Win Your Health. I'm Dr. Ryan Sousley, chiropractor, functional medicine practitioner, and Ironman triathlete. And I'm Dr. Aaron Sousley, also a chiropractor, functional medicine practitioner, and iron mom of three, soon to be four. And together, our mission is to bring you inspiring people and empowering information so that you can win your health and win at life. Welcome back to the Win Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Aaron Sousley with my husband, Dr. Ryan Sousley. And today is the Beyond Awareness Cancer Seminar Recap. We're going to be giving you the main bullet points that we went over at our seminar last week. Um, I know many of our listeners could not be at the live event, which was absolutely amazing. We had a lot of life lives changed, um, but we're, we're hoping to bless you guys today with this information. You know, this is a, a personal topic for me. Many of you know that just about four years ago, I lost my mom to stage four pancreatic cancer, and it came out of the blue. She had very little symptoms, you know, a little bit of indigestion, a little bit of um, abnormal fatigue um, when she was diagnosed. And by the time she was diagnosed, it had spread throughout a lot of her body. And unfortunately, uh, the disease claimed her life within five weeks of her diagnosis. And that was really devastating for our family and um, really inspired both Ryan and myself to just dig deeper into, you know, what what causes this disease to really understand what cancer actually is so that we can start teaching people how to live differently so that they can avoid this fate. You know, you look at the war on cancer, 48 years ago, President Nixon signed the National Cancer Act and he vowed to make curing cancer a national crusade. But that was 48 years ago. And where are we now? You know, one out of two men, one out of three women, billions of dollars later, people are still um, developing this disease and and dying from this disease. It's the leading cause of death in Canada. Uh, In 2019, 1.76 million new cases of cancer are projected to occur. Uh, It's the second leading cause of death in kids between the ages of 5 and 14. So we know that cancer is bad. You know, we we say this, we we, we don't need more awareness for cancer. Um, We need to figure out what what we're doing wrong as a culture um, to now be experiencing such such an exponential increase in the incidence. And we asked this question the other night at our event. We said, why won't it be you? Because according to Michael Greenow, who's a professor at Northwestern University Medical School, at any given time, everyone has within them between 100 to 10,000 cancer cells. And under normal conditions, when the immune system is strong, these cells are destroyed. Thus, it is critical the immune system be maintained in top condition. If the immune system weakens too much, that's when cancer can establish itself. So I ask you again, why won't it be you? What are you doing differently than the vast majority of Americans to ensure that it won't be you? Yeah, and there's there's two main things that we want to get across is <clears throat> if you want to be a cancer killer, you got to you got to know these two things. What is it and what causes it? And it's just it's really interesting because uh, so many people are affected by cancer. You know, Erin lost her mom, and my mom got diagnosed with cancer just a few months ago, and luckily she's battling and she's doing great. But I've lost lots of relatives and grandparents to to this disease. And so, you know, it's it's this thing that affects just about everybody in our culture, and yet almost nobody 
knows what cancer actually is. I mean, like the lay person, like if you walk up to someone on the street and say, Hey, do you know what cancer is? Most people say no, even though if you asked them if they've been affected by it, they would say, of course. And so if, if you want to beat your enemy, you've got to know your enemy. And so number one, you got to know what it is. And then number two, you got to know what causes it, because obviously that's where, you know, you can really start to take action and minimize your risk and even, you know, start to fight it and overcome it if you've already been diagnosed. So, you know, number one is don't blame your genes. You know, genes control specific functions of your cells, but it's specific nutrients, hormones, and enzymes that turn your genes on or off. And it's this new study of this thing called epigenetics or above genetics that's really, you know, taken hold in the science community over the last decade or so. And what they're finding now is that your your genes aren't your destiny. Your DNA is not your destiny. You know, genes are kind of like the trigger on a gun. They only hurt you if you pull the trigger and pulling the trigger is your lifestyle. And so we know that, you know, you can lifestyle, lifestyle your way into this thing, which means you can also lifestyle your way out. So what is cancer? And the, the simple answer is that cancer is just you. Cancer is normal cells that turn into abnormal cells, right? It's not something you catch. It's not a virus or a disease or a bacteria. Virus is when normal human cells turn rogue and they mutate and then they multiply. You know, the human body is made up of between 75 and 100 trillion cells. And every one of those cells has a life cycle. Like your heart cells have a life cycle, bone cells, life cycle. And every cell in your body is pre-programmed to die at a certain time. It's this process called apoptosis. And cancer is simply when those cells don't die. In fact, what leads to this, this absence of apoptosis, where you essentially develop Franken cells that don't die, um, is it's, you know, this new hypothesis in the science community is that cancer, these cells, um, you know, don't go through this process of ap apoptosis because they're in a state of wound healing. In fact, if you think about like a uh, like a ca uh, callus on your hand, that's kind of an example of when normal cells turn abnormal because they're they're trying to heal from a wound. Like, and usually it's a repetitive wound. Like you get calluses on your hands from either working out too much or working with your hands a lot. And these calluses, you know, luckily these you know these are dysplastic or or a state of dysplasia cells. It's it's a really good example of the same type of process, but. Uh, you know, your body heals continuously from different wounds and injuries, but when you're constantly putting your body in a state of healing because of certain things and the things we're going to, we're going to get into in just a minute, a lot of times they're nutritional or toxicity related or stress related. Um, that's when these cells really have the opportunity to, to basically mutate and go rogue. Um, and then the question is, once you have these cancer cells, which we, we all do and they get out of control, then what do you do about it? And the, the conventional way of treating cancer is obviously chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, drugs, or even transplantation. And, you know, I think these things can be beneficial in some cases, there's no doubt. I mean, obviously if your cancer is spreading like crazy and it's taking over your body, you got to do something to intervene medically and get that cancer out of there and stop it from overtaking your body. But then the question is, what do we do to make a, make a healthy body from there? Because what you, what you, you need to realize is that Cancer doesn't make you sick. Cancer itself doesn't kill you. It's a sick body that allows cancer cells to grow and divide and mutate. Because think, think back to, you know, the research we went over just a minute ago. Everybody, everybody in the in the world has cancer cells in their body every day of their life. So what's the difference between someone who 
only has, let's say, a thousand cancer cells and someone who has, you know, a trillion cancer cells. Well, it's just, it's time and it's also interference. You know, there's something, there's something that's causing this repetitive wound to happen in the body or injury to happen in the body that's creating these cancer cells. So chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, drugs, these things can help stop it, but they don't address the underlying cause of what's causing the cancer in the first place. And this is really important because this is where a lot of people see cancer come back. You know, like a woman has breast cancer and she has a mastectomy where they take the breast off and they get rid of the cancer, but they didn't fix why the cancer happened in the first place. And guess what? That woman eventually gets cancer somewhere else. And that's actually what happened to Aaron's mom. You know, she had breast cancer earlier in her life and she had surgery and the cancer came back in the form of pancreatic cancer, you know, a decade or two later. And so this happens to a lot of people that go through these treatments. And it doesn't mean these treatments aren't effective. And it doesn't even mean that you shouldn't have them in certain uh, circumstances. But it does mean that you still need to get to the underlying cause. And, you know, the analogy that we always use is, do flies cause garbage? I know that's a silly analogy, but it's true. You think about like a, a dumpster in a back alley full of flies and bugs. You know, the, the bugs or the flies didn't cause the garbage. It was the other way around. And the same is true with your body. Cancer doesn't cause you to be sick. It's a sick body that causes cancer. So just like you can't go out and just eliminate all the flies because the flies will come back. <laughs> you got to get rid of the garbage. That's, that's the underlying cause of why the bugs are there in the first place. So we've got to do that with the body as well. And so, you know, we're going to get into five different things. And these are actually the five essentials that our practice is built on. But we're going to get into the five things that you can do today to either help you fight cancer or, um, you know, never get it in the first place, which is even better. So essential number one is mindset. And, you know, this is really powerful because it's really easy to get motivated to not have cancer once you've already got it. You know, it's really easy to take your health seriously once you've got a diagnosis. Um, but the problem is you want to be disciplined by choice, not by necessity. You know, nobody wants to be up against the wall with their health and then be forced into eating clean and taking supplements and having surgeries or taking medication or whatever the case may be. You don't want to be forced into that situation. You want to be doing those things on the front end by choice so that you never get it in the first place. In fact, I always tell people, if you live like you have cancer today, you would most likely never get it tomorrow. The problem is that most people wait until tomorrow to just cross their fingers and hope they don't get it. And then once they get it, then they become disciplined. But think about it, you guys, if one out of two men and one out of three women is being di diagnosed with cancer, right? The person that's waiting until they get the diagnosis, that's going to be the person who obviously gets it. So you want to be disciplined by choice, not by necessity. And what's interesting is they actually did a really neat study uh, in 2003 at the Institute of Heart Math, and they found that when test subjects were um, prompted to focus on uh, thoughts of gratitude and healing and positivity um, and grace and love, they actually noticed an increase in the function of their immune system. In fact, they could see it change the shape of their DNA. It was that powerful. Um, and the opposite was true, too. When people you know, we're prompted to think of negative things and, uh, you know, the, the, the negative prognosis of their disease, 
um, it actually showed that it weakened their immune system. And it happened relatively quickly um, in under five minutes. And so the point is, you've got to think about what you're thinking about, because it's not just a cool idea to focus on things that are positive. It literally changes your physiology. So that's essential number one. Essential number two, this is nutrition. And yes, cancer is a metabolic disease. Um, that that really didn't used to be the school of thought, but we've no, we've discovered more about this disease in the last five to seven years um, than we've than we've known for decades. And that is that it is a lifestyle induced disease in most cases. Um, it is a metabolic breakdown in the body, and this is what's what what essentially causes it. And what what we eat absolutely matters. Our nutrition matters. Um, every cell requires six essentials. These are amino acids, antioxidants, fatty acids, enzymes, nutrients, and vitamins, minerals, and trace minerals. We know that every single cell needs those six things for success and for optimal health. Now, whether we get that is another, is another story. So we told people at our event, you know, listen, eat real food, keep it super simple eat food that comes from the earth and you're going to be, you know, just loading your body full of all these things that our cells need. Okay. So that seems simple enough, right? Well, the, the reality is that because of nutrient depletion in the soil, uh, and because of, you know, all the, the harmful pesticides and herbicides that have been sprayed for decades, you know, now we're having to, um, really rely on, additional support in the form of, of supplements typically. Most people are not getting adequate levels of amino acids and fatty acids and enzymes and nutrients and vitamins in their diet um, just from the food that they're eating. <clears throat> so we're only as healthy as the health of our cells, okay? So that's kind of the picture that we're, we're trying to paint. And that starts with healthy cell membranes. So if you think of the cell membrane as like the outer wall, it's almost like the gatekeeper um, it's a bilipid layer, so it's just fat, and it really just allows oxygen and nutrients to get in, which our cells absolutely require, and it allows toxic waste products to leave the cell. And as long as the cell can do that, it is healthy. The problem is if we don't have the optimal amount of omega-3s and omega-6s in our diet, um, that can absolutely drastically impact the health of our cell membranes. And if we have, let's say, you know, a normal ratio would be two to one. So that would be two omega-6 to, to one omega-3 is the ideal ratio within the body. And we absolutely have to get that from our diet. Now, when our uh, ratio goes up, so, you know, we typically see when we test patients, we see a ratio of maybe 20 to one. That's probably the average American has a ratio of 20 to one. And this is an indicator of extreme inflammation. These people might be in chronic pain, but more importantly, what that tells me when I see that on a, a test result is that the cell membranes can't possibly be functioning in, a, in an optimal way. Um, if you were to look at those cells in a, under a microscope, the cell membrane looks, looks rigid. Um, it doesn't allow oxygen and nutrients in properly and effectively. And 
what's worse is it doesn't allow toxins to leave the cell. So what happens is over time, you get enough of these abnormally functioning cells because the cell membranes are faulty, and that's, that's where we start to see disease manifest. And whether it's heart disease, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, you know, all disease is is just abnormally functioning cells. Um, you know, that's, that's when we typically see, to see, see that disease diagnosis. So we have to have an optimal ratio of omegas. Um, we see most people needing to supplement. I know Dr. Ryan and I tried to get most of our essential fatty acids from our diet, which is great. But then we finally tested our omega ratios through a blood spot fatty acid test, and we found that we were both um, deficient. We, our ratios were actually too high. They were like six to one, um, which was which is way too high. And so we've, we decided we needed to increase our supplement intake with a, a quality omega fatty acid supplement. Um, and what, what happens when we, when we have this optimal ratio within the body is that we see inflammation go down. We see blood sugar levels go down, blood pressure go down, cholesterol, depression, joint pain and arthritis, chronic pain, fatigue go down. But what's really cool is that the research is now saying that 70%, there's a 70% decreased mortality from heart disease when people optimize their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio to 2 to 1. So that's the research, and that's pretty amazing. So it's not just heart disease that we're that we're targeting. You know, obviously we want to make sure our cells are healthy, so we don't go down the road of cancer or Alzheimer's disease or some of these chronic illnesses that are plaguing Americans. So I highly recommend a quality omega. That was one of the supplements that we went over at our event. I think the next thing that that Americans need to focus on when it comes to creating healthy cells through food is to really limit their exposure to sugar. So obviously I'm talking about added sugar, reading labels, avoiding processed foods as much as you can, Um, you know, juice, soda, those are probably the two uh, biggest sources of sugar in America. Uh, the average American consumes about 150 pounds of sugar, of added sugar every single year. So this is a problem. I'm not consuming a lot of added sugar, so somebody's getting my 150 pounds. <laughs> so this, you know, it, it's it's devastating to our health. But what's more is that cancer cells actually have eight times the affinity for sugar than normal healthy cells do. So cancer cells absolutely have to have sugar in order to thrive and reproduce and proliferate. So if we can just get a handle on how much sugar we're actually consuming, uh, we're going to be a lot better off, you know, not just for cancer, but diabetes, heart disease, all these chronic illnesses, obesity. And it starts with reading those labels. Uh, What we've always recommended for people for maybe about a quarter of the year is to really do some sort of a, a ketogenic diet if possible. And that's really just limiting those high glycemic foods. It's increasing the amount of healthy fats that you're getting, really decreasing those unhealthy fats, those rancid fats, trans fats in processed foods, and then moderating your intake of protein. And when we do that, we're starving any cancer cells that may be in our body. We know that cancer cells can't survive when ketone bodies are the primary source of fuel. So that we, when we start doing something like a ketogenic diet, our body switches over to using ketone bodies, and that's why cancer cells can't survive because they can't utilize those ketone bodies for energy, which is pretty pretty amazing. Another supplement that I that I talked about the other night was vitamin D three, and I think if you're gonna supplement 
Um, this is one of the ones you have to have on your daily routine. Research shows that, vit that vitamin D can actually help the body kill cancer cells. Think of it as like the activator for your immune system. It's like that missing link. And when your levels are optimal, your immune system can function much better and kill, kill disease cells like cancer cells. Uh, this is a quote from Joellen Welsh, who's out of State University of New York. Uh, she said that within a few days of implementing vitamin D3 therapy, half the cancer cells shriveled up and died. The vitamin has the same effect as a drug used for breast cancer treatment. So that's pretty amazing. When we look at uh, some of the research, um, there's there's been a lot of research about vitamin D and how it how it comes into play with with reversing di di uh, things like diabetes and cancer um, and you know autoimmune diseases like multiple scler sclerosis. Uh, but what they've found is that 77 percent of of all cancers combined can be prevented when our our vitamin D levels are optimal. So this would be above like 40 nanograms per mole. The ideal range would be between 70 and 90. The only way you're going to know what your levels are is to get tested. It's a very simple test. It's inexpensive. Uh, but this this way you know where you're at and you know if you need to increase you know your intake of vitamin D3. We recommend about 5,000 IUs as a maintenance dose for people. Uh, you won't know whether or not you need to maintain or increase unless you get it tested. So that's that's probably one you want to add to your annual uh, blood testing. So we recommend finding a vitamin D3 supplement that not only has that adequate 5,000 IU dose, but also contains probiotics. Our The one that we use contains 10,000 billion CFUs of four powerful probiotic strains. So this is our Max Living brand, vitamin D3. Um, we found that by, by adding those probiotics, our gut is better able to absorb the D3. Um, we've seen people's levels go up dramatically when they switch over to taking ours just because it's more bioavailable and easy to absorb uh, in the body. So if I were to give a list to somebody of my probably my top immune boosting supplements. I'm not a huge vitamin person. I don't think people should rely on supplements um, for health. I think it, it they definitely need to be making the effort through whole food. But again, there are, there are most people have to have some sort of help um, just because of the world that we live in. So again, that pure omega fatty acid supplement in the proper ratio, you definitely want to know your source. You want to make sure that it's coming from uh, somewhere like wild Alaskan salmon, you know, where there's not a, a huge opportunity for it being tainted with heavy metals. The vitamin D3 should contain probiotics for absorption. Uh, again, that 5,000 IU minimum for maintenance. And then metabolic pathway support is critical for optimal immune function. So B-complex comes into play there. Um, there is evidence of protective effects against breast cancer in BRCA1 patients. So if you're somebody who has that uh, BRCA1 gene, uh, vitamin B is something that can actually help turn that gene off. So that's a that's a big one. You definitely want to want to know your source again. Folate should be in the natural form. That's B9. Um, a lot of times you're getting the synthetic form, which is harmful to the body. Magnesium is the next one. This one is required for hundreds of chemical processes in the body, and it's absolutely critical for managing inflammation. But we now have evidence of protective effects against colorectal cancer and pancreatic cancer. So this is emerging research, but we know that, this, that magnesium really plays a huge role in that. 
And then finally, finding a bioavailable multivitamin, meaning a multivitamin that your body can readily absorb. You don't want to just be taking something that you're going to absorb maybe 20% of and the rest is going to pass through your body. Uh, really, the only way to know that is to do a lot of back research. Um, you want to make sure that your supplement is third-party tested. We know that our Max Living multivitamins are, are highly bioavailable, like 80% to 90% are up. Um, so you're really absorbing most of that supplement. And ours contains minerals and herbs that help balance our hormones. Uh, they contain antioxidants that reduce free radicals in the body. So having a good multivitamin is is definitely an essential. Yeah, and one thing I'll say about vitamins, you know, it's it's always kind of cracked me up because in our office we see tons of patients and recommend uh, taking supplements for a period of time to address certain issues while they get their lifestyle on track. Um, and there's always a little bit of resistance with some people because our, our supplements are more expensive. They just are, you know, just like, um, organic food is more expensive than cheap grown food. Um, <clears throat> but we'll, I'll, you know, we'll get these people that make a big effort to curtail their lifestyle and they'll, they'll start eating raw or organic and spending more money on food, but then they still want to cheapen out on the supplements. And all I'm, all I'm going to say about supplements is that, if, if you're going to buy supplements, buy really high quality stuff. And, and I would even say it's more important to buy high quality supplements than it is to buy high quality organic food. And the reason why is because supplements are concentrated. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like buying, you know, uh, 20 bushels of broccoli instead of just one, um, because that's, you know, the, essentially that's what you're getting in a supplement as a concentrated form of these nutrients. So you want to make sure that if you're getting a lot of them in a small, you know, portion, uh, or a small, you know, uh, serving, you want to make sure it's really high quality. So whether it's our stuff or there's other, you know, very rep reputable brands out there, you just want to make sure and not skimp on supplements. All right. The next essential we're going to talk about is oxygen and exercise. So in our office, this is essential number three, and I don't need to convince you that exercise is good for you, but relative to cancer, there's some really interesting research out there that basically shows that um, cancer cells can't survive in an oxygenated environment. In fact, um, a very smart man named Otto Warburg won the Nobel Prize several years ago for coming up with this metabolic theory of cancer. And basically what he says is that cancer cells can't survive in an oxygenated environment. Well, guess what oxygenates your blood? It's breathing and breathing heavily like you do when you exercise and you're out of breath, um, oxygenates your blood. And you can also accomplish this through breathing exercises. Um, but you know, there's a reason why these really high end cancer centers all over the world incorporate hyperbaric oxygen chamber therapy, um, which is really expensive. The machines are really expensive. The treatment's really expensive, but it's absolutely, uh, worth it and effective because <clears throat> these chambers that you get into, they're pressurized with uh, really high density oxygen uh, oxygenated air, which basically drives, you know, almost pure oxygen into your bloodstream and it oxygenates your cells. And we know that this, you know, process helps to kill cancer. Well, it's really effective to do that. And if you have, you know, advanced stage cancer, you probably want to find somewhere where you can incorporate this into your regimen. However, there's a really cheap and easy and free way to do this. Um, and it's called exercise. And so, you know, people should be exercising on a regular basis. My personal philosophy is that you should be doing some form of movement and elevating your heart rate and your breathing rate every single day. People always ask me, how many days a week should I work out? 
every day. That doesn't mean you necessarily go to the gym every day, but you should do something to elevate your blood pressure or your heart rate rather and your breathing rate um, just because there's so many different health benefits. You know, like how many days of the week do you want to be killing cancer cells? Every day, you know, not just three days a week when I go to the gym for a half hour or an hour. So, you know, not every... Uh, form of exercise is equal in terms of benefit, especially in terms of oxygenating your blood. Obviously, if you can exercise to where you're breathing harder than normal, um, you're going to be better off. So we we really like high intensity interval training or metabolic conditioning is what some people call it. It's essentially the same thing, but it's basically where you're doing really high intensity bursts of exercise for a really short amount of time, you know, anywhere from 20 seconds to a minute, and then you take a, a short little break. And so, you know, a really easy way that you could do this at home, if you're listening, you can just Google Tabata. Tabata is uh, just kind of one specific variation of high intensity interval training. But essentially what it is, is it's eight rounds of 20 seconds on 10 seconds off. So, you know, it's, it's only a total of four minutes but you're getting a ton of work in it. If you've ever done this, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, you might think, well, four minutes, that's, you know, that's shorter than my warm-up time is. And that may be true, but I promise you get two to three minutes into this thing. And if you're doing it correctly, and that's the thing, you got to, during the 20, 20 seconds of work that you're doing, you've got to go pretty much all out. So you got to find movements that you're not going to hurt yourself doing. But when you're in the work phase, the 20 second work phase, you got to be going all out. And then the 10 second rest phase, you're obviously resting, letting your heart rate come down, breathing rate come down, and then you're back at it 10 seconds later. But what this does is it really, really, really oxygenates your blood because like I said, two to three minutes in, you're going to be breathing really hard, which is a good thing. But uh, again, what this would look like is, you know, you pick one movement, like let's say jumping jacks or even just running in place, or, you know, you could do whatever you want. Uh, the bike, the elliptical, the treadmill, it really doesn't matter what you do. What matters is how hard you do it. So let's just say you're going to do jumping jacks. You know, you do um, jumping jacks for 20 seconds as fast as you can, and then you take a 10 second break. And then again for 20 seconds, and then a 10 second break. And again, you do eight rounds of this, it equals four minutes. And in four minutes, you've got a killer workout and you've oxygenated, oxygenated your blood um, to a really high degree. So that's exercise. The whole point is, you know, get out there, do something to elevate your heart rate and your breathing rate every single day, because the more oxygen you can drive into your cells, um, the less chance cancer has to grow and survive. So let's talk toxicity now. Uh, this is a big issue. We've learned more about toxicity over the last five years or so than we've ever known. Um, and we live in a very toxic world. And I think the main message that we got across at the event was that none of us can avoid toxins. You know, I feel like our family lives in kind of a bubble where we really have worked hard to minimize our exposure to environmental toxins. Uh, we don't have any toxic household cleaning products in our home. We don't have toxic personal care products. We don't have any toxic, you know, air fresheners or, uh, I don't know anything. <laughs> so we've worked really hard. However, I know that we really can't avoid it because it, they're everywhere. Um, even toxins that have been, you know, chemicals that have been banned for, for decades, uh, still persist in the environment. They're in the soil and it's inevitable. So, uh, in 2011, the environmental working group, um, conducted a study and they looked at 10 babies in utero 
and they looked at the cord blood and found 287 different chemicals in the cord blood of these babies. These are babies that have never even been exposed to the outside world. They were safe in their little cocoon in mama's womb, but because of the chemicals that the mom was exposed to while pregnant um, through waste products, through household cleaning products, personal care products, drinking water, pesticides in the food. Um, the baby was then affected because it got into the mama's blood. And so that just tells us, that study tells us that really there's there's nothing we can really do to avoid toxins. We can minimize our exposure, but we're, we're inevitably toxic. Uh, and and so that's that was pretty eye opening in two thousand eleven when that came out. We know that we know now that up to forty percent of bladder cancer cases can be attributed to arsenic toxicity. We know that in North Idaho, uh, our drinking water levels, if you're drinking tap water uh, of arsenic, are extremely high. And so this is a major source for people in our region. Up to 15% of lung cancer cases are now attributed to exposure to polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, and this comes from, you know, car exhaust, burning things like garbage, and some other sources. So we just need to be aware, and uh, there was a CBS article that just came out uh, in September, and the title was, Chemicals in Tap Water Could Cause 100,000 Cases of Cancer in the U.S. So this is mainstream media now. We know that, that you know, we're getting it from, from our water supply. Plastic kitchen utensils uh, are leaking toxins into food and cause thyroid issues and cancer. Um, we know that vaping is now worse for our heart than tobacco cigarettes because of the chemicals in vaping. Uh, so I think I've gotten my point across. Um, we are toxic. And so once we, once we work to understand where those toxins are coming from, we can start to swap out uh, those toxic products that we're exposed to on a daily basis. I say always start with the personal care products. Average woman uh, uses about 12 personal care products a day. That equates to about 168 different chemicals a day that she's exposing herself, herself to. And if our skin is our largest organ, um, those chemicals get into our pores and into our bloodstream. And our bodies are brilliant, okay? They were created amazingly perfect. And we do a fabulous job of detoxing from those chemicals every single day. However, what we're finding is that because of this onslaught and because it's day in, day out, and there's really no, it's unrelenting, we're now finding that the body is having a harder time getting rid of all of these chemicals that it's exposed to. So what it does is it sequesters those chemicals in our tissues, especially our fat cells. And so that's where it starts to build up, accumulate, and it can start affecting our hormones, our thyroid health, and a whole host of other things like cancer. So we always recommend to our patients, you know, start looking at your personal care products. We use the Environmental Working Group uh, website, and they have a smartphone app called the Healthy Living app. It has a barcode scanner. You can scan your personal care products. I say, you know, download that, that app and go right into your bathroom and start looking at your personal care products. Look at your deodorant. Look at your toothpaste your lotion, your soaps that you're using. And that app will give you an instant toxicity score from one to 10, 10 being the most toxic. And it'll also tell you what ingredients are in it that are causing the most problems for you and how they're affecting the body. And once you've identified those the most toxic personal care products, that's when you should start slowly swapping those things out because it can get very overwhelming very quickly, trust me. 
Um, so that is probably the first place to start when it comes to minimizing your exposure to toxins. And I will say this, there hasn't been a major federal update to cosmetic regulation in over 80 years, you guys. So if you think that somebody's got your back, <laughs> somebody's got the consumer's backs, um, you're wrong. Think again, because uh, a cosmetic company can easily mislabel something as being natural. And it if you look at the ingredients, there's nothing natural about it. There is zero regulation on that. So just be aware, be your own advocate. Um, and that's the best place to start with minimizing your exposure to toxins. So once we've addressed the sources, now we need to start addressing the accumulated toxins in our cells. So if we look at things like mercury, mercury has a half-life of 22 years in the brain tissue. So we get exposed to mercury from things like amalgam fillings, from different foods, from uh, vaccinations, immunizations, medications. And if it gets into the brain tissue, it's going to stay there for a very long time. Again, the half-life is just 22 years. So that's just to get rid of half of that substance. Um, so we have to be doing something actively to, to help our body speed up that process of getting rid of those accumulated toxins. We recommend using uh, something like our Max Living Detox System. Now, there are a lot of cleanses out there, lots of detoxes. That's a really kind of hot word right now. Um, but the problem that I'm seeing and where these a lot of these are falling short is that they're not addressing how the body actually gets rid of toxins. So um, you might it might be targeting it at the cellular level, but then it's not doing something to support the body's ability to eliminate it from the body. So just to give you an example, our detox system has two parts. The first is the cell detox, and that's taken in the morning. And it has the precursors for glutathione, which is our body's own natural antioxidant. And think of it like a magnet that goes around to the cells as long as our cell membranes are healthy from having those, those healthy omega fatty acids, um, the glutathione can effectively pull those toxins out and shuttle it to the liver where it's going to be filtered. And that's where the second part of this detox system comes into play. We call this part the body detox that's taken at night. And that has elements that help the body to safely bind the toxins in the liver and effectively eliminate them through the colon. So that's, I think, again, that's where a lot of these cleanses fall short is they're not taking into account how the body actually fully eliminates those toxins. If you don't address how the body binds those toxins in the liver, um, they can just get released back into the bloodstream and reabsorbed in other tissues. So it doesn't, it does nothing to help get rid of those toxins. Okay. The last essential is core chiropractic. And you might be thinking, what does chiropractic have to do with cancer? And it has to do with this, you know, a lot of people, um, that listen to our stuff and, and follow, uh, all the health and wellness information that we put out there, you know, we get comments from time to time that, uh, you know, people say I've, I've done all that stuff. You know, I've eaten perfectly. I've exercised, I've taken supplements. I've really watched my toxicity levels and I still got cancer, or maybe that happened to someone in your family. And then we also hear the opposite probably more often, which is, you know, I've got someone in my family who didn't do any of that. You know, they drank and smoked and it never worked out and you couldn't kill that person. They still live to 90 or hundred and they never got cancer or anything else. You know, what's, what's the difference? And the difference is that, you know, lifestyle is important and lifestyle obviously supports function, 
But ultimately, there's one organ in your body that runs and controls the function of everything else. And obviously, it's your brain. You know, your brain sends signals down your spinal cord and then through the nerves to control everything from your heart beating, your lungs breathing, your stomach digesting food, uh, for a cut to heal on your skin, and even for your immune system to fight cancer, let alone a cold or the flu, your brain controls all that stuff. We know that's true because nobody's ever survived the guillotine. You know, you can go a month without food, uh, days without water, minutes without air. You can't go one second without nerve supply because your brain has to be able to communicate to your body. In a hospital, you're not dead when your heart stops, which is what we used to think. Um, you're dead when your brain stops sending signals through your nervous system. And so what does this have to do with chiropractic? Well, just like your skull protects your brain, your spine protects the extension of your brain, which is your brainstem, spinal cord, and all the nerves, which eventually connect to literally every single cell, tissue, and organ in your body. So remember, you know, your body's made up of about 75 to 100 trillion cells, and every single one of those cells is connected to the nervous system that can be traced all the way back up to the brain. Well, what happens in life because of slips, trips, and falls or car accidents or bad posture is your spine, you've got 24 movable segments in your spine, and those segments can either individually or collectively shift out of place. And what happens is when those, when those shifts happen, we call that a subluxation. When subluxations happen, it's kind of like a kink in a hose, you know, or a short in a wiring system where it interferes with the signal going from the brain to the body or the body back to the brain. And either way, it interferes with this positive feedback loop or this necessary feedback loop that the brain and the body use to establish homeostasis. You know, if you think about it, kind of like if you kink the hose that was watering your lawn, your lawn wouldn't get enough water and it would eventually turn brown and die because there's an interference in the power that feeds the, the lawn what it needs to survive and thrive. And so these shifts in your spine can not only cause pain, and obviously, guys, that's what, that's what a lot of people go to a chiropractor for is these subluxations cause back pain or neck pain or headaches, and that's what a lot of people associate chiropractic with. But in, in, chiropr in, in essence, chiropractic wasn't developed to treat back or neck pain at all. In fact, in 1895, D.D. Palmer gave the first chiropractic adjustment ever, and it was kind of an accident. This guy got his hearing back. Harvey Lillard was this guy who was deaf, and D.D. Palmer just kind of accidentally adjusted him in his neck, and it released pressure on the nerve that went to his ear. And the guy had been deaf for over 20 years, got his hearing back. And so for the next several decades, you know, it wasn't until like the 50s or so when people really started to associate chiropractic with back pain. For the first 50 or 60 years of chiropractic in its existence, you know, chiropractic was associated with restoring healing in the nervous system and people would heal from all sorts of stuff. And so, you know, cancer is, like I said, like we said in the beginning and all along today, a sick body allows cancer to happen. Cancer doesn't create a sick body. Well, what regulates whether or not a body is sick in the first place? Lifestyle is a big part of it, but there are a lot, a lot of people that have a healthy lifestyle and still have a sick body. There's a lot of people that have a sick lifestyle and still have a healthy body. So what's, what's the difference? Well, lifestyle is important, but un underneath all of it, it's the nervous system. The nervous system is like the wiring in your house, right? The appliances mean nothing. It doesn't matter how old they are or how fancy they are. Uh, it, if the, if the electricity is not going through the wiring system, it doesn't matter. So lifestyle is important, but your brain has to be connected to your body in essence, right? And these subluxations undermine the body's ability to function properly. In fact, there's a really interesting study relative to immune system function that was done 
1990, and they looked at HIV patients because obviously these, this, this demographic is really immunocompromised. And they looked at CD4 white blood cell counts, which is just a, an immune system marker. And they took a group of HIV patients and they gave them consistent chiropractic care. And then the other group, they didn't. They just gave them the regular HIV you know, protocol. And they followed them for a period of time. And it, it was fascinating. Over a period of time, the chiropractic group had a 48% increase in CD4 white blood cell counts compared to the group that didn't receive chiropractic. So, you know, this wasn't a group that had neck pain or back pain or headaches. This was an immunocompromised group that saw a tremendous benefit to their immune system, not just the way that they felt phys physically, but their immune system improved, you know, by almost uh, 50% just through the power of chiropractic. And it makes sense. It's like unkinking that hose and all of a sudden the water can get through and water your lawn. Well, guess what? Your, your lawn's going to come back to life and your body's pre-programmed to do that. And so the, the point is that whether you have cancer now or you never want to get it in the first place, you have to make sure that you have a healthy spine and nerve system. It's just, it should be a part of everyone's health plan. You know, people talk about health insurance. It's really not health insurance. It's sick insurance. And if what you're doing for your health is waiting until you have a diagnosis or a symptom and then using sick insurance to treat that symptom or diagnosis with drugs or surgery, that's not a health plan. That's a sick plan. And thank God you have health insurance if you have a crisis. And thank God we have doctors and medications and surgeries for crisis situations. But it's not a good health plan. You need a health plan. And what's what should be underlying your health plan is to make sure you have a healthy spine and nerve system along with all of the other essentials. You can't pick and choose. Health is not a la carte. That's why we have five essentials. It's not because you know, you should do one or two and just the ones that you like or that are convenient or easy for you. You've got to do all of them. Thanks for spending some time with us today. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you could give is to share this episode with others and review our podcast in iTunes if you haven't done so already. When you share and review our episodes, it helps us reach more people and keep our content relevant to listeners just like you. We read every single review and love to hear how our show has impacted you. Thanks again. Now go out there and win your health.